Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. On DAB+, online, via the TalkSport app, and on your smart speaker. Lions Daily on TalkSport 2. I'm Tim Cocker and this is the Lions Daily on TalkSport 2 with another 24 hours following the British and Irish Lions in South Africa. And we're one day away now from another match on tour. Uh, tomorrow the Lions play the Cell Sea Sharks from Durban, that game happening in Johannesburg. And our resident performance analyst Ross Hamilton spends, well he spends his week re-watching games and crunching the numbers to be honest. So we'll find out what he's spotted and might be able to share with us in about 15 minutes time. And in today's player profile, we're going to take a deeper look at Tom Curry, the England back row. He's going to make his Lions debut in that match tomorrow. And we've got his dad, David, to join us and tell us what Tom was like as a boy growing up. And also, what's it like having two international flankers in the family? Because Tom's twin brother, Ben, played for England on the weekend. Plus, we're going to get the very latest from South Africa with our reporter, Neil Manthorpe, very shortly. And we'll hear from inside the Lions camp. Listen, you won't find anyone more excited about the Lions Tour than me. So I'm sorry that I have to start with this. But unfortunately, for the second day in a row on the Lions Daily, we have to start with uncertainty around the tour. We're not going to have fans and we won't see that sort of sea of red that you sort of associate Lions Tours with. In my own experience, especially with COVID and just in sport, I think your best ability is adaptability and you're going to have to, you just have to adapt. You know, we knew there wasn't going to be fans in the stadium, but you know, it has now gone to a further degree. So that situation will be reassessed by, by the president of the country and, uh, you know, the, the, the committee over, over the course of the next two weeks. And, you know, hopefully, you know, things will start opening up a bit. It's difficult, obviously, with, with being in Joburg at the moment as we're all in lockdown where it, it's, we can't really go outside of the hotel bubble. At this stage, I am almost certain that uh, once we get back to Cape Town, that's where we'll stay and that's where all three test matches will be played. I just hope that you, you get enough games and then um, at, in the run into the test series and that gets uninterrupted, but it's a very imperfect situation that we're finding ourselves in. Yeah, we always knew, didn't we, that this Lions series would be like, unlike any other. Uh, initially, it was, will the tour happen at all? Then it was, will it be Australia, maybe the UK? And now, with the COVID situation in South Africa, further uncertainty. So joining me from South Africa, TalkSport's Neil Manthorpe. Uh, now, Neil, earlier today, the media over there was reporting that Saturday's match between the Vodacom Bulls and the Lions is in doubt. So what can you tell us? Yeah, there has been an outbreak um, in, amongst the, the Blue Bulls camp. 
they've been very quiet about specific details. We don't know how big it is, how many players are involved. And I think that uh, the reason for that is they want to find out whether they can... What They're taking advice all the time from a, from a team of experts, the uh, medical advisory group, um, and they're trying to find out whether they can, they can replace those players, uh, how long they need to, to spend... Um, in isolation, how, it's just so many questions that, that need to be answered. But it, it is fair to say that uh, Saturday's game is, if, if not in doubt, seriously compromised. Because if it is uh, a large number of, of players, then, um, you know, we're going to be talking about going into sort of junior ranks and, you know, under 21 players, that kind of thing, to replace it. The other thing to say is that the Springboks cancelled training again and cancelled their team announcement for the second test against Georgia. So... Um, the one thing that I can say, if, if clutching at straws to be to be positive, is that um, the the level of determination to continue the tour and to make it work is in direct inverse proportion to the bad news. So, in other words, the more bad news there is, the more determination there is at this stage to to continue with the tour. The other question is, you know, the Lions have to be happy. Um, the, the Lions have to be informed exactly of the arrangements with the Bulls if that match goes ahead, because you obviously don't want to run the risk of their players getting infected. Absolutely, Neil. Uh, no, no, one thing, I never trust Twitter and social media generally to gauge public opinion because it tends to be quite a toxic cesspit a lot of the time. So on the ground, what are you picking up about the public mood, the opinions there, the, the, the goodwill towards the, the, whole, the whole tour? Yeah, I don't trust Twitter either. Um, but um, <clears throat> honestly, I, I mean, I listen to, to talk radio stations and... and it, Talk show hosts are almost um, trying to prompt the issue and, 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 you know, trying to prompt people to say it's inappropriate, it shouldn't be going on. Um, and there's just a really, really strong reaction against that. And as I said to you a couple of days ago, yesterday, um, it's hard to keep track of time, but South Africans sort of pride themselves on, on being very resilient and, and very determined. And, um, and, you know, there, there is, it only happens every 12 years, as everybody keeps on saying. Um, so I, I can honestly say, hand on heart, that I have not uh, encountered or heard secondhand or firsthand anybody um, who said categorically that the tour should be cancelled. Um, that has, just hasn't happened. It, it may have done. I'm sure it has done somewhere. But I am not aware of it at all. Neil, thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate it once again. Pleasure. Uh, we'll continue to monitor the situation and bring you any updates, obviously, as we get them. I'm joined now by TalkSport 2's Alfie Reynolds. Uh, do, oh. do you know what? Neil does such good interviews. His chat with Stuart Hogg last week was absolutely brilliant. I'd love to chat to him about rugby stuff rather than this, but this is where we are. It is where we are at the moment, isn't it? And I kind of wondered when we did the show yesterday and we had the news about South Africa cancelling training and thinking, OK, where's this going to go? Obviously, Neil spoke with us yesterday and, and said about the possibility of moving all the test matches to Cape Town. So, so what was next? And then we had the reports today uh, over in South Africa about the bulls and the positive tests there. It, it is a little bit uncertain. As you say, Tim, we'll keep everyone abreast of it here on TalkSport 2 and over on TalkSport as well. Uh, we're the place to, to keep you up to date. Absolutely. I mean, in the UK this morning, uh, the, the headlines concerning the Lions, like Will Kelleher in the Daily Mail, the headline, tour back in the balance, Alex Lowe in the Times, Springbok squad in isolation again. That was before this latest bit of news. So, um, as Neil said, the, the Springboks have postponed their team announcement for the game this Friday uh, against Georgia still hoping that goes ahead um, but this is the latest bump in the road what we do know for certain though 
at the moment is the Lions play the Celsi Sharks tomorrow. And uh, Lions assistant coach Steve Tandy, well, he, he was asked about the possibility of moving the test matches, as Neil mentioned to us yesterday, to Cape Town. Oh, look, I think there'll be other people will be will be talking and, and dealing with that. And generally, it's just trying to focus on day to day and, and getting the players and making sure our standards and what we can control, we can control. And if we end up in Cape Town, we'll deal with that. If we've got to come back to Johannesburg, we, we, we're fully prepared for what happen, whatever happens. I've said it before about uh, the people in these rugby clubs, coaches, players alike. They're so good at just rolling with the punches. Uh, can, the, the phrase there that Steve Tandy used, control what we can control. And yeah, th- they'll do whatever they're told to be. They'll be where they are and, th- and they'll be ready. Uh, that, that was the quote I said yesterday about Carl Sinclair. He just said, always ready, always mm. ready. Uh, th- something else that Steve Tandy did speak about was the potential of playing Georgia on Saturday, if that is both theirs and South Africa's match against Georgia were to be called off. I think when you're talking hypotheticals, I think anything's possible through COVID. I think we've seen that. So for me, it, it, I think anything, if there's any opportunity for games called off to play a game, then then that'll be great for us and for whoever else is, is looking for a game. Now, I think what I, I believe that the reason... Steve Tandy was talking about that is because a journalist suggested it. This isn't coming from the British and Irish Lions, as I understand it. Yeah, no, I think that was, in fact, our very own Andrew McKenna put it to... Oh, great question, Macca. ...to Steve Tandy, thinking of possible solutions or looking at the problem and what a solution could be. Yeah, at this stage, that's completely speculative. But, you know, would it potentially make sense if all these teams are in bubbles, if South Africa can't play and the Bulls can't play, could the Lions and, and Georgia, they're all kind of in, in the, a similar area, aren't they? So, look... We will wait and see. As things stand, though, uh, those games set to go ahead as we understand it. What a great thinking from Macca, though, to have come up with that as an idea. And I can say, if that were to happen, and as Steve Tandy said, it's hypothetical, that would be an amazing game for the Lions to play because Georgia are, well, they're kind of like Springbok light, aren't they? They're just, they're, they play very similarly the, the physical, abrasive style of rugby that the Springboks play. I think it would also be interesting to compare how the Lions get on against them compared with how South Africa got oh, great point. on against them last week as well. I know both teams are rotating and South Africa, similar to the Lions, are looking to give everyone game time before the Test Series. But it, look, it's certainly not the, the worst suggestion. Whether it actually happens or not, I'm, I'm not so sure. Yeah, it, well, it would be quite funny, wouldn't it? Georgia, no, you can't join the Six Nations, but you can play four countries uh, together <laughs> all at the same time. Uh, so um, now yesterday, I want to pick up on something I, I talked about yesterday. Uh, I talked about, this was my game theory of what does the selection for this game against the Celsius Sharks mean given that uh, Warren Gatlin will probably want to have a dress rehearsal with his test team a week on Saturday. And you quite rightly reined me in, Alfie. Um, but <laughs> I, I had no issue with you getting a little bit carried away though, Tim. I'm all here for that. <laughs> but Warren Gatland actually uh, did men- mention something that I, I, I read this morning and I thought, oh, that's interesting. Because on that one, Warren Gatland has, has said... He, we will not be showing our hand in terms of what we think the test side will be. So Warren Gatland will not be picking what will be the team that appear in the first test in a game together the week before. Yeah, which is interesting. And I was thinking earlier, I was thinking, what does this mean then potentially if the game doesn't happen for Tim's theory of what squads are getting selected, selected when? It's also been 
Fascinating to hear Warren Gatland speak on this Lions tour because he mentioned it over the weekend, I believe it was, about looking back on the 2009 tour and saying that ultimately the Lions were probably a little bit undercooked for the Test Series um, because of the quality of opposition they played probably in the build-up that they weren't absolutely ready to come up against South Africa, who were world champions then at the time as well. In those three Test matches, they lost the first two Tests and, and, and lost the Series. So I think he is as good a person as anyone to get this Lions team prepared. I mean, you just trust Gatlin, don't you? I've always got the sense that he gets it, doesn't he? He gets the Lions story, gets what it means, but he also gets what you need or what you need to give the players to give them the best chance of performing with such a short space of time. It's such a good point. And I, I really found that fascinating about what he said about the 2009 tour. What did he say? He said, we thought we were ready for the first test, but we weren't. Essentially, and, and yeah. It, and it cost us the series. And that is 12 years ago, and he's got more, more Lions tours under his belt. Like you say, there is no one better placed. And just extending on what you just said, Alfie, I think what Warren Gatlin said is he's, is he's not bothered if the, the opposition aren't as strong as they could be in some cases because he wants to get that intensity from training. Mm. So, so the real preparation for the first test is happening where none of us can see it. Yeah, to a degree. Obviously, there's combinations and things that he's spoken quite publicly about, about wanting to have a look at. But it is one of those things that Warren Gatlin now, he is the man you would trust as much as anyone. You still hear some ex-coaches, I won't name them, Tim, but I think some listeners will probably know who I'm talking about. You hear them talk about Lions tours and how they would approach it and things like that. And you just think, no, that's absolutely wrong. Warren Gatlin gets it. You have to get a team chemistry. You have to get everyone together on the same page. And then in terms of building for those test matches where you're bringing players together from different countries, sort of having something that resembles a team in, in time for that, he is so good at it. I trust him completely. I'm, I'm trying to work out who you're talking about. I've got I'll, a couple of ideas. I'll tell you in the break. Oh. <laughs> it's the Lions Daily on TalkSport 2 with the famous grouse, the spirit of rugby, 18 plus B drink aware. Uh, we have got commentary of every game on the Lions tour to South Africa and the South Africa game against Georgia should it go ahead this Friday across the TalkSport network and we'll be joined next by our performance analyst, Ross Hamilton. Lions Daily on TalkSport 2. interesting to see uh, next week uh, a different sort of back row with, with Tom Curry, Navidi and, and Sam Simmons. But he's picked up and go around the base of the ruck and Duan van der Merwe will go in and score. Gets it away to Gareth Davis and the scrum half will go under the post and score the try. There are a couple of other players that we could, we could have looked at but I thought uh, Ian was an obvious choice for us given you know, his experience and stature in the game. Fights Ty Byrne, Ty Byrne with the bust, Ty Byrne will go straight down the middle and will score under the post. Welcome back to the Lions Daily. I'm Tim Cocker and here we are, a day away from the Lions playing their second match in South Africa, the Cell Sea Sharks. And that match will be live on TalkSport 2 tomorrow from 5pm. We'll continue our build-up to that in just a moment. But this, this is a situation that is unfolding in real time. So in the last few minutes... Alfie Reynolds, we've come by some more information from South Africa. Yes, I had TalkSport's very own Andrew McKenna get in touch with me uh, just in the ad break there, Tim, and was asking if we were aware that South Africa and Georgia, uh, that match on Friday, under very real threat. I just had a quick look on Twitter and Craig Ray, who's a South African uh, journalist, has tweeted that Georgia and Bulls players have several positive COVID cases too. Second test to be called off, Lions official versus Bulls to be rescheduled. All very fluid. I think essentially what we can take from that is it is very much up in the air about these matches happening this weekend. 
Certainly looking that way. Uh, and as we've been saying all along, we'll keep you updated. And uh, that's why we have the Lions Daily every single day. That's why the TalkSport Network is across all of this with our guys in South Africa here in the UK. You won't miss a trick. Uh, but to that game uh, tomorrow evening then, which you can hear live on TalkSport 2, uh, well, we're going to get our uh, resident performance analyst uh, out uh, of, well, all of his spreadsheets, I imagine. Ross Hamilton, how are you doing? Good, thanks, Tim. How are you? I'm very well. It's kind of good weather to be to not feel too guilty about being stuck indoors, crunching the numbers. Um, and, and I want to get your thoughts on this game, on the way that the Lions are shaping up. But just before we get there, actually, I, I just want to start with the fly half centre partnership at the weekend. And, and let's just hear quickly from former Lions fly half and centre James Hook. He joined the Lions daily on Sunday and said he expects Gatland to go with two playmakers. If you look at our back three as well, we got such a fantastic back three. They're all competing for places. I, to be honest, I don't know who they're going to pick in the back three. So we want to get those the ball. So I think you do need a playmaking uh, player in the midfield. Whether so in Farrell, I was really impressed with Daly when he came on mm. yesterday as well. You know, he can beat the man. And, and what I like about Daly, he's, he's a left-footed kicking option as well. And I think if we're going to beat South Africa, we've, we've got to be able to kick well. And, and play some territory down in South Africa's half. So that may be an option. Um, the competition for places are so, so fierce. And uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting come uh, that first test who, who he does pick. Two playmakers at 10 and 12. Ross, what does your analysis tell us about Farrell and Russell playing together? Well, yeah, that's really interesting. That's exactly what we looked at for the last game on the weekend versus the Sigma Lions. And, and we looked at the playmaker balance. We've spoken about this a couple of times now, but it, uh, it shows where the Lions are trying to play from uh, in terms of the width on the pitch. And what we saw in this, that they played 54% of the time off of 10 and 12. Now, that number in context, if you were to play off uh, 10 and 12 in a total for about 40%, you're pretty high. So they were quite significantly above the norm. Um, and I think it was a clear indication that was certainly a style of play that they wanted to adopt with um, Russell and Farrell there, and it gave them success. Um, obviously, their point scored was was high, but we can show some other stats as well. They made 592 meters, 11 clean breaks, 35 defenders beaten, but then two huge numbers here, which I'll show, um, is they had 70% gain line success. So that's 70% of their carries that they made over the game line, perhaps because they were playing to the space in the width. Now, again, as a context, if you were to get 50% game line success, you'd be doing quite well. The Sigma lines only managed 37%. So we really got on the front foot and really caused them problems. The second number to go with that then, and we mentioned this before, is our red zone efficiency. So we got into the Sigma lines is 22 um, 18 times for every time we came into the 22, we came away with 3.11 points. Um, so that efficiency level again is huge. If you average two points per entry, you're doing really well. Um, so all of that in combination, I think, really um, showed that the, the style they were trying to play proved to be successful. That is really interesting. Uh, and also, I, I just sort of more historic this one because you've been a performance analyst for England and Saracen, so you'll know. Owen Farrell's game quite well and Warren Gatlin has indicated that he he will get a run out at 10 before the test matches so what what can you kind of tell us about what Owen Farrell uniquely brings to that 10 jersey should he wear it? I think his game control is huge his demand of the other players around him is huge um, if I'm honest with him at 12 and the style that they're trying to play, it's not necessarily something I've always seen that works necessarily that well. I feel the the uh, owner sometimes gets shifted 
rather than them both working together. I, I like the idea of a fullback being the second playmaker. Stuart Hogg, for example, likely to be a 15, has played 10 for the Lions. I think that combination works well. Owen Farrell being at 10 or 12 certainly offers that game control, but then you might lose the attacking intent that you have with Russell. So I, I totally understand if they both play, they both offer different things. Um, whether it works against a, a South Africa side, we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, that is interesting. Let's move on to uh, the back row then, uh, because mm. very competitive area in the squad. And tomorrow we're going to see Tom Curry, Josh Navidi, Sam Simmons line up together. Uh, let's just have a listen to what Tom Curry had to say on the back row yesterday. Everyone's kind of mentioning selection as if it's a negative thing for the players, but it's not. Like it's brilliant to see, you know, Tiger. Well, it's brilliant to see Courts and, and Hamish at the weekend because it shows we we're kind of doing something right as a group. Um, so yeah. You know, every, everyone who's played has, has played well, and I think that's the uh, the brilliant thing about this side at the minute um, is the competition. Um, so yeah, no, can't wait to get to get my opportunity and to get stuck in and love it. Um, especially with, you know, Simo and, and Navidi. I think they're both unbelievable players, so it should be really exciting. The more I hear of Tom Curry, the more impressive I find him. And a lot of people have sort of assumed Maru Atoji is the is the heir apparent England captain. I think it's it's Tom Curry. But onto the back row generally, uh, Ross. What, what, what do you reckon? What can you tell us about uh, about the lineup tomorrow? About how it's been shaping up? Well, yeah, very interesting, very mature response there from Tom Curry. So you might not be far wrong with that. Um, my point with this is the the combination is huge. Yes, it's talked about a lot. Um, but the players, as they are, being so good, they are the best of the best to be at the Lions. Um, perhaps they're slightly pigeonholed sometimes with their super strengths. Because they're so good at one thing, it doesn't mean that they're not good at elsewhere. So carrying the ball or on the other side defensively. Um, and I think that shows with some of these players here. I'll take you through I've got quite a lot of numbers here. I'll try and take you through quickly. And I'll start with Tom Curry. He's defensive animal. Everybody knows that. His defense is fantastic. He wins a lot of turnovers. But his ball carrying is world class. I took a look at his Six Nations stats. He hasn't played for the Lions yet. Um, and he played every single minute. But he was second only to Hamish Watson um, for meters made out of the forwards. Um, second only to Josh van der Fleer for average game per carry. He made the third most defenders beaten of any forwards in the Six Nations. Wow. And he had the third best collision dominance of any back row. So his ball carrying is, is fantastic. It's not just a balance of thinking, well, he's our defensive player and we'll have an attacking player at eight or, or at six. They can, all of these guys can do everything. And I'll carry on with some more, but the, the sort of bigger picture of that is they all have abilities and you can pick then really whoever you want, horses for courses, depending on the game, depending on what you want for each specific game without losing too much. It's not a case of thinking, I'm going to pick somebody for this particular reason, but we'll sacrifice something else. That isn't the case. Um, I'll go through just the other couple of guys. Josh yeah. Navidi is, is a slightly different one. He obviously didn't make the tour in the first place. A very good player, yes, in his own right, but perhaps not in the initial squad to be the very, very best. Um, his stats from the Six Nations weren't outstanding. He made 23 carries to 29 metres. Only three of them were dominant. Um, his tackles, he did make a lot with 66 and only missed three, so very impressive. But 10 of those were passive. And as a ratio, that's pretty high. Only Falatel out of the touring players made more passive tackles. So his place in the, in the test side, for me, isn't in the argument that we have so many quality back rows. Although he's a fantastic player, he doesn't quite make the grade. Sam Simmons, though, huge one. So from your number eight, a lot of people were talking about the size and strength that you want from your, your number eight and, and the carries in tight. Sam didn't play in the Six Nations. He hasn't played for, for England for a little while, but he had an outstanding premiership season, obviously the, the record-breaking try scoring to go with it. 
Um, but he played the most minutes in the Premiership. He had the second most tackles of any player um, with 234. He had the most carries of any player with 263. He made the fifth most metres of any person with 1,029. Second most defenders beaten, seventh most clean breaks. But now at this point here, there's a couple of uh, criteria that I picked out that represent that contrast of when we talk about big ball carrying players, number eights, and maybe he's too small, similar with the Hamish Watson argument. I looked at dominant collisions and over the game line carries. So it's not necessarily relevant to his total numbers, but how effective he is. And he made the most dominant collisions of any player in the entire premiership this season. He made the most over the game line carries. So if there's any doubt of his ability to play in tight, to dominate collisions, I think their answer to the stats there. Obviously, we'd love to see him play well uh, tomorrow. Absolutely love that. Uh, love all the stats. Let's just let's take a quick breath. Um, I mean, you work in numbers, and you're, you're like, it's like you see it like the Matrix. But um, yeah. <laughs> we'll focus on Cel- the Celsi Sharks now, the opponents for the Lions tomorrow. And uh, let's just hear from Warren Gatland. He suggested that they they could, could well be under strength for tomorrow's game. Yeah, they're missing probably eight players that are in the Springbok camp. Um, so they've got some youngsters. So I think they'll go out there with an attitude of wanting to throw the ball around, take a few risks, try and test us from that from that aspect. But you know, we're definitely just focusing on our own own preparation and, and we can't really look at too much of the opposition. You know, we've just got to be uh, there were things from the other night that we were pleased at and, and some inaccuracies, um, things that we need to fix up. I'm really pleased with our line out uh, sorry, our line defence, you know, close to the line we 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 had kept them um, out from you know, getting their big man across across a goal line from their pick and go stuff. So we've got to, there's lots of things we've still got to work on and and we can't sort of worry too much about who we're playing. So what can you tell us about the, the Sharks, Roscoe? Yeah, I had a look at their Rainbow Cup performance, um, just their most recent competition and playing the other provincial teams to see how they went. Um, for me, what I found is they seem to be just a full-on strike team. It's, it's all or nothing in attack. They don't play with possession much at all. They average just 14 minutes um, ball in hand. Um, they had the fewest carries of all four teams in the Rainbow Cup, but they managed the most metres and the most clean breaks. Um, on the other side of that, they had the most turnovers. So it re- really does seem to be all or nothing. In terms of their success for that, though, they scored 15 of their 20 tries in the competition within the first three phases. So they seem to just play right from the very start, um, score early. If they don't score early, they potentially lose the ball because they're just trying to strike or not. They got into the red zone the fewest of the four Rainbow Cup teams. They had the fewest phases in the red zone, but they had the very best efficiency for points per entry. So there's lots of these themes that sort of show throughout that they're a little bit of a strike team. Um, the last thing I just mentioned on them, I did see they dropped off quite significantly in the last 20 minutes during the uh, Rainbow Cup. And I actually heard through our very own Andrew McKenna that he spoke to Sean Everett, uh, the Sharks coach, and he was looking at the ball in play time that we've had in the Lions. South Africa's size usually uh, used to something around 28, 29 minutes ball in play. Now, teams in the Six Nations or the Premiership or in the Europe that I look at every, every week throughout the season are more used to ball in play around 37 or 38 minutes. So you're looking at about 10 minutes more. So if they already drop off in the last quarter when they're used to 28, 29 minutes, if we increase the intensity of the game, which we're very likely to do, then we could well overwhelm them towards the end and see a bit of a run out. Cracking stuff, Roscoe. I think the message there is don't 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 bother turning over watching the football. Keep it with TalkSport because there'll be tries at the end. Love it. Thank you very much. Pleasure, mate. Right, and we've got commentary of every game on the Lions Tour to South Africa, including... 
the Lions against the Sell Sharks. Sell Sea Sharks. Easy for me to say. Uh, and right across the Talksport network, it's the Lions Daily on Talksport Two with the famous grouse, the spirit of rugby. Eighteen plus. Be drink aware. And next, we're going to hear from David Curry who is the dad of the Lions flanker Tom, who Ross was just talking up his stats a moment ago. He's going to make his Lions debut tomorrow. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. If you look at the way Tom has improved in the three, four years' time, you know, he's going to be, he could be another McCall, you know, he could be that type of a player. And now the forwards. Tom Curry, Sal Sharks, England. It was the longest morning I've ever had, to be honest. I, it was quite a weird one, so I was watching it on TV and my brother and a mate were obviously watching it on the link and I think the link was a little bit quicker. I just saw my phone ping up and it was like, um, I think my mate said something, I was like, boom, well done or something. I was like, oh. That kind of gave me a, a bit more hopeful because it goes alphabetically, doesn't it? Here's Tom Curry, the sale man, and he's stolen a march down the blind side. And Tom Curry it is who gets the fourth try. So every day on the Lions Daily, we have a, a player profile where we take an in-depth look at every player member of the 2021 tour. And for today, yeah, it's England. Back row, Tom Curry. He'll be making his Lions debut tomorrow night now, along with his twin brother, Ben. He plays for Sale Sharks and has had a, f- a pretty meteoric rise over the last few years. Made his Sale debut in 2016, earned his first England senior cap in 17 and has been a regular name on the team sheet for Eddie Jones since, including that run to the 2019 Rugby World Cup final. And for this section of the show, we just want to hear from the people that know these guys best. And that is exactly who we have today because uh, I'm delighted that I've got on the line with me right now, David Curry, Tom's dad. How are you doing, David? Very well indeed, thanks. Now, am I right in thinking that not only the fatherly influence you've had uh, over Tom, well, and Ben, obviously, but but also um, as a coach in their formative years? Um, yes, very lucky. We moved up to the Northwest um, when they were four, and uh, we didn't know when we moved up that there was a rugby club a mile down the road. Uh, if we'd have known that, I don't think my wife would have allowed us to bought the house, but... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, Kroenantwich was literally at the end of our road uh, and the, the rugby didn't start until they were seven years old. So the only way I could get them started playing rugby was if I said, well, I'd do an under seven side. So I ran the under sevens for three years until they were able to obviously join an under seven side. So, uh, But that said, there were loads of parents and I think there was about 15 or 20 of us would turn up every Sunday with these four or five-year-olds running around quite headless at uh, Kroenantwich, uh, but it was a great start. 
I mean, there's that phrase that I always think of, it, it takes a village to raise a child, and, and the same can be said for raising a, a British and Irish lion. There'll be a lot of people, you've just mentioned Crew and Nantwich, but I'm sure there's schools and there's volunteers from all, all kinds through the levels that, that will share that pride that I'm sure you have uh, in Tom's achievement this summer. And they should do, because it has, as you, as you said, it's been, a, it's been a huge sort of team community effort, and uh, you're absolutely right. The, the primary school they went to was was uh, really sporty, had lots of uh, staff who gave their time up after school, whether it was the, the athletics, the cross-country, the, the, the cricket. They, they, we, I think we, we took it as a family that they should play as much as possible when they were younger, and the primary school helped with that. And then all the clubs in the area, Crew and Nantwich as an area, has got loads, loads on offer. Um, and as I said, sort of, we just wanted them to, to enjoy all sports, uh, and um, just over time, as you'd expect, the sort of by the time they got to fourteen, and and, and Sale asked them to join the academy. I think their, their their football and their cricket careers were sort of starting to take a second seat. Uh, I, there was a brilliant uh, article that, that Ben did. Uh, I can't remember which newspaper it was, but it was it was during lockdown, and and the guys Tom and Ben both moved home, I gather, and started working out at home. And it was when one of them cottoned on that. The other had done a workout and they didn't know about it. Just tell us about the two of them growing up and that and that little competitive edge that that seems to drive each other on. It, it does. I mean, it's it, they, they come, there's a lot of competition in the family, and I mean, I mean that in the best way. There's a lot of, of, of uh, uh, auntie played for Scotland lacrosse, uncle played for England, cousins playing for England, cousins playing for Stoke City. Their sister even represented GB at Frisby. Um, so, that, so there's always that, and, uh, but they have been, yeah, they've been great for each other by and large. It's it's boiled over every now and then, um, and uh, tempers afraid, but by and large, they've been a real driver for each other. Um, and it's and it's they've complemented each other. Whether it was the cricket one, would bowl one, would keep, and the football they were centre defenders together. They're, they're, even when they took, we kept the line at Nantwich, one would keep touch one side and the other the other. I think it's. And and again, it it moved into their academics. They really pushed each other in school as well. They didn't they didn't enjoy it much when one got a mark more than the other in a geography test. So it's <laughs> it's, it's 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 been there. I mean, it's. I think if you had any siblings that were close, I wouldn't want to over egg the the um, the twin thing. But um, clearly, they've been together since uh, all the way through, and it's 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 by and large been really healthy and. Um, what's what I'm particularly proud of is, is how proud they are both of each other. Yeah, and they they are definitely individuals. I mean, the more you, you get to watch them and and be around them, they 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 are quite different in their personalities, and that manifests itself on the pitch as well. They they have different skill sets, and they have many things in common as well. But they 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 would say that they're their own people, and obviously trying to carve their own path in in the rugby world as well. Well, on that, I was uh, delighted to see finally uh, that Ben uh, made his long-awaited England debut at the weekend because uh, he, he was initially named to start uh, in that tour in Argentina in 2017 and Tom on the bench, uh, I, th- I think I'm right. So uh, there you go. Sliding doors moment right there, but they're, they're, they're both making their own way. But just just back to Tom for a second. You might have heard a little snippet at the very start of this, but have a, li- have a listen to what the England forwards coach Matt Proudfoot had to say about Tom prior to this year's Six Nations. You meet players and some players go through a cycle where they improve and then, then you know, that's where they get to. But I think if you look at the way Tom has improved in the last three, four years, he just continues that growth. You know, I think he can be in three, four years time, you know, he's going to be, he could be another McCaw, you know, he could be that type of a player. Another McCaw. 
What a Amazing. comparison. It, it, it's, it's, I mean, so I, I, every stage of the way from England under 16s, 18s, 20s, we, we, we as a family, certainly his mum's sister and I are, are pinching ourselves, never take any of it for granted. Sunday was a remarkable time to be there to watch Ben get his cap. And, and Tom, hopefully, um, I say hopefully, I think the COVID cases are a little under control for the game for tomorrow night. But um, for him to get his first Lions cap, it, it's still quite surreal, even after 33 England caps, never take a moment for granted. So to hear that that he's been regarded in, in that sort of category, and, I mean, legend's thrown around a lot, isn't it? But, but McCall was a legend mm. uh, in the rugby world. And it's just... A, if Tom achieves a, a part of what he has a, a Rugby World Cup, all the other uh, fantastic achievements, and then uh, I, I, I don't think I can be any more proud. So everything that happens from this point on is just fantastic. You mentioned the the, the rest of the family there. Will you be watching tomorrow night together? And, and for the rest of the talks, obviously, I'm, I'm sure, much like the Rugby World Cup final, you would have loved to have all been together uh, out there for, for this. But with that not being the case, what are your plans? Um, we, uh, I've, I've, I've I'm a head teacher, so I've tried to rearrange as many meetings as I can so I can get out of school as quickly as humanly possible, drive safely across uh, the Dickerson Hills and, and get home to Nantwich to, to watch. In this instance, probably just with my wife. Uh, I'm, um, I'm not the best of supporters. Uh, I'm a fan first and foremost, but then when you wrap that up with uh, your son throwing his well, her has zero regard for his own body, which which makes him the player he is. I wouldn't want it any other way for him, but it's it's quite nerve wracking on many levels. And have and what have you heard from Tom? What are you picking up on uh, on his excitement for making his first lines appearance, or just how it's going in general on tour? You know what? We we don't we try. I think one of my jobs is that is not talk too much about rugby, but talk about the other stuff. Um, and so when we have, I mean, uh, he, he says he's having, despite being in this COVID bubble. I think, I think I was saying to someone the other day, in terms of the English players, I think because Eddie ran such a COVID secure bubble for the last campaign. Um, I think the liberties that they're getting on this one, although it's very COVID secure, I think Tom, compared to sort of the Scottish, the Welsh, and the Irish, is, is feeling quite liberated and really enjoying it. Uh, I think he's bought himself a mixing desk, uh, so he's doing a bit of DJing, which um, I, I'll be very interested to see what what comes out of that. Um, but you know, he, he just tends to, as I say, keep in touch, just and try and we're looking after his dog. Um, he bought himself a lockdown dog it's a beautiful thing but uh, um, we spend uh, more time with the dog than he has in recent months so we're looking after that so he tends to ring up more to find out how Toby's doing than perhaps how his mum and dad are doing David I really really appreciate your time thank you so much for joining us not at all glad to speak to you good man there you go that's the sort of exclusives you get on the Lions Daily we've got Tom Curry a budding star DJ uh, you are listening to the Lions Daily on TalkSport 2 with the famous grouse, the spirit of rugby. 18 plus B drink aware. And uh, listen, coming up next, we're going to get inside the Lions camp from, well, the man we were just talking about there, Tom Curry, among others, ahead of that match tomorrow. On DAB Plus, online, via the TalkSport app and on your smart speaker. Lions Daily on TalkSport 2. I crashed my car. Welcome to British and Irish Lions Rugby. What a score. Sexton! Johnny Sexton goes round. 
just behind the post, puts the ball down. Johnny Sexton scores the try. Another try for the Lions. And those wearing the red of the British and Irish Lions raise their arms in celebration. They have won the series. Yes, it was on this day in 2013 that the British and Irish Lions wrapped up a series victory against Australia. They won that final and deciding test, 41 points to 16 with Alex Corbiziero, Johnny Sexton, George North and Jamie Roberts all scoring tries. The music, by the way, was the number one back in that year. Uh, I, thanks for reminding me of that, Alfie. That, that was one of those, I remember my daughter, she, she must have been like three years old and she, she was obsessed with that song, so I heard that more. I, I'd, I'd forgotten about it. Painful memories coming back. I've just brought it back into your life then. Sorry, mate. You're welcome. And you know that's going to be in my head for the next couple of days (laughs) as well now. Uh, What a series. I loved that Australia series in 2013. Yeah, it was a great one, wasn't it? I remember I remember it quite clearly because I think it was probably the first series that I was watching like down the pub with my mates. Um, Whereas previous tours, the 2009 tour to South Africa had more been, I hadn't really been at that age yet. So I remember that quite well for that reason, which seems strange, but equally is a part of the lines, I I think to a degree. Um, and it was a great series. I remember the second test quite well because I probably thought that the Lions would, after winning the first test, would, would go on and win the series quite comfortably. But Australia fought back and then we had, as kind of the highlights, we, we just heard there of that final test where the Lions ran away with it. But it was a really good series. It was. One of the big stories in that series was between the second and third test, the omission of Brian O'Driscoll. Of course it was, yes. For the final test in what would have been his final game, which was massively controversial, especially in Ireland. I mean, Warren Gatlin was vindicated, but we we have um, Jamie Roberts as part of our team across the TalkSport network this summer, and uh, he was there for the game in uh, Murrayfield uh, against Japan. And just hearing Jamie Roberts talk about that 2013 tour, and he talks about how Brian O'Driscoll was a massive part of the win in that third test because his reaction to being dropped was to train really hard and that sharpened the the skills of Jonathan Davis and Jamie Roberts in the centre that meant they went into that game against Australia feeling like they they couldn't be more ready and that was in part because of the attitude of Brian O'Driscoll. I was one of those fans as well that maybe caught up in the sentimentality of it was massively anti that decision before <laughs> before the match that happened. I remember all the videos circulating on social media and stuff and people had dubbed over it and things like that. But it was a, it was a big... Series win for the Lions as well, wasn't it? Because I can't. When was it exactly? Because they'd lost 2009. They'd obviously lost 2005. They lost 2001 as well uh, in Australia. Yeah, that was the one I, where I think they had they had the line out towards the end and just that's right. Harrison, no, is that right? Yeah, right. Just, yeah. might have the right name. Stole the line out when they could have won it in the fi- in the final test. So it was 97 before yeah. that that they'd last won a series. So it, it was actually quite a significant one, I think, for the Lions generally. Oh, I totally agree. And also, it seemed like the players had a really good time. Shane Williams um, took. I'm sorry, uh, not Shane Williams. Sorry, I'm, I'm getting my names mixed up. But one thing I remember, they, they all seem to have a good time. The, the guys that weren't selected in the side, but that were watching, I remember the camera used to cut away to them all the time and they just looked like they were having a big party. Christian Wade had the comb in his hair. I was just about to say the comb. <laughs> I remember that. He was having a great time. Good memories. And uh, yeah, uh, when we happen upon a day where there's some great Lions memories from the past, we will indulge in those. But uh, let's put our focus onto the game tomorrow. And we've been talking about Tom Curry quite a lot because he is the last of the originally named players in the original squad to actually make his Lions appearance. And uh, well, he's not really worried that he hasn't been selected until now. I'm just going out there to to, to, to play rugby. Um, kind of selection, whatever that that that's your that's for you guys to speak about. For me, it's kind of doing what I love and, and playing for a team that I've dreamt about. Um, 
so yeah I, I honestly I can't wait to get stuck in tomorrow and whatever happens happens whether it's a good game bad game I, I'm, I'm just there and I, I love it I really like listening to him talk and his battle with Hamish Watson for that seven jersey well I mean Tom Curry spoke earlier we heard from him saying hey everyone's talking it like it's a negative it's brilliant it's driving us to, to greater heights but that that particular battle for the jersey you've got two world class players and even Navidi as well. You, I think you could you could throw in there as well, with, and then with Watson and and Curry. I agree with you. I think Tom Curry. What we've heard on the show today, of the, those snippets of the press duties he did earlier, comes across really, really well. Very impressive. I thought the stuff he said about the how the competition in the back row is driving them on was really fascinating. Completely flipping it on its head, really, wasn't it? And how it's such a good thing. And even though we haven't seen him yet, and everyone's perhaps talking about the other names that we ha- have had more game time, I would still expect him to be right in the mix come come the test series oh no doubt and he's got a lot of experience under his belt for someone so young not least against South Africa and Tom also spoke about that valuable experience early on his on his in his career against the Springboks it was a massive experience and one I still kind of hold pretty tightly now um, I think it was yeah it was my second third and fourth test and I think took a lot of learning from that especially uh, not just off the field kind of the cultural side of it but I guess the cultural side on the pitch and, and what it's like to play in South Africa uh, and, and probably especially Ellis Park altitude first game um, I think is a hugely special moment that I, I hold pretty dear um, so yeah kind of a lot of experience um, taken taken from that it's a bit weird not having the fans I guess um, but in terms of the rugby side I think moving moving forward is that ultimately the, the, the contact area will be a hugely contested area and one that probably needs to be won. Absolutely. I think Tom Curry's just nailed it there. The contact area will be fiercely contested and needs to be won. It's a bit of an understatement, isn't it? <laughs> Huge. Uh, but, but I mean, we heard from David, Tom's dad, uh, a moment ago, and I just want to reiterate before we go, one of the lines that, that David revealed in his conversations with Tom uh, who's out there in South Africa at the moment is that he feels liberated by the the camp that he's in I think that was fascinating wasn't it me and you both looked at each other and thought okay that's interesting because I hadn't considered that what essentially what David said was because the England camp in the Six Nations was so strict Eddie Jones and he said he, he ran a very tight ship that, that actually the that whilst they're being incredibly compliant over in South Africa actually for the England players it's possibly liberating, whereas for the Irish, the Scottish and the Welsh, maybe maybe it's something that, that they're not quite as used to. I thought that was quite an interesting insight, potentially, to, to maybe how the players are reacting to things in that bubble at the moment. And, and particularly relevant, given that we started today's Lions Daily talking about all the issues with COVID, all, all the kind of negative and difficulties surrounding the whole tour. And by the sounds of it, even in the midst of all of that, Warren Gatland appears to have engineered an environment where players are feeling really, really quite relaxed and enjoying themselves as much as possible, which um, is great to hear given all the challenges going on. Yeah, exactly. And we touched on it, didn't we, earlier in the show, but I, I always felt like it's been something that Warren Gatland's particularly good at when he's been in charge of Lions Tour is bringing the squad together. And so far in 2021, that seems to be the case. No reason why it wouldn't be so, but given the challenges that they are facing with COVID in the bubble, you know, we've spoken about it, the players have spoken about it, Warren Gatland's spoken about it. It is different. It is surely going to be more difficult, but so far things seem to be going well. 
Agreed. And, well, no doubt there'll be more news of all different types by this time tomorrow, which is why we have the Lions Daily on TalkSport 2 with the famous grouse, the spirit of rugby, 18 plus, be drink aware, so that you can follow the British and Irish Lions right across the summer. And our Lions Tour coverage continues tomorrow at 5pm as we build up to commentary of the Sea Sharks. I'm having trouble with that today. Versus the Lions, the match kicking off at 6